absolutely not. Does it mean that God sometimes, in his grace and his mercy, chooses to heal? Yes. Okay? So this is what Keener's book, I think, shows us very, very plainly, is that God continues to heal people today. But let's assume for a moment that there was no medical documentation. All that you had is people's stories, but you never had any before and after x-rays or MRIs or anything like that to, to go to. All that you had is people's stories. Should we believe those stories? Should we believe their testimony? This actually becomes a very important question in what we call epistemology, the study of knowledge. How trustworthy is testimony? Now, let me ask you a question. Wiguan, I remember your name, so I'll just pick on you really quickly. I'm pretty sure you know when you were born, yes? What day were you born? September 30th, 1960. I didn't ask for the year, but that's okay. We all know how old you are. Okay, September 30th, 1962. What's the primary reason you know when you were born? Birth certificate, okay, so we have some documentation. Let's just pretend for the sake of argument that your birth certificate was lost. What would be the primary way that you know when you were born? Your parents' testimony, okay? Would you accept that testimony? Yeah, and I think you'd be foolish not to, right? Well, unless, you know, your parents like to pull your leg and make fun of you, whatever else, okay? Now, the simple point in this is that we tend to accept people's testimony, particularly when they're people that we know and people that we trust, right? And if we don't, it's very difficult to learn anything at all. Imagine for a moment that you were two years old again. So, you know, put yourself back however many years it takes to get yourself to two years old. And let's imagine that when you, you pick up this red object on the counter and you look up at your mommy and you say, huh? And your mommy says, apple. Let's imagine that going through your head at that point is, all that I have to go on is your testimony. Why should I believe your testimony? It's just as likely that you're lying as that you're telling me the truth. That's probably not an apple at all. It's probably a banana. <laughs> How much would you be able to learn if that's the way you treated people's testimony? You'd never learn anything. The vast majority of what we learn, we learn from other people. And we can only learn things from other people if we trust their testimony and accept their authority. Now, we only trust people's testimony and authority if there's a reason to. Okay? Our parents we usually have pretty good reason to trust them. We go to our doctor, we have pretty good reason to trust his testimony about what's wrong with my body. I mean, it's, you know, some of it's pretty obvious, but um, we trust people's testimony when we have reason to, and the only time that we don't trust people's testimony is if we have some sort of compelling reason not to. Now, here's the issue. If you have testimony from hundreds of millions of people around the world today that God is working these miraculous healings and events in their lives, if you say, no, nah, they're probably making it all up, you're discounting the testimony of a huge proportion of the world's population. You're saying, no, their testimony is just untrustworthy. And you're not just talking about, and David Hume, incidentally, was very much a racist. He said anybody really outside of the civilized West, which by which he meant Scotland, um, that they were really a barbarian. So one of the things he says, one of the reasons I don't trust miracle accounts is because they only come from uncivilized, barbarous nations by which he meant people that weren't Scottish, really, because the French he considered uncivilized and barbarous as well. Uh, we don't just hear miracle accounts from third world nations, uh, less advanced scientifically, technologically civilizations. We hear them also from the heart of Canada, the United States. Uh, incidentally, a lot of the ones in Keener's book come from the Vancouver area, okay? different ministries in the Vancouver area. Throughout the world, every country is represented. So it's not just certain groups of people, certain people groups, certain ethnicities, certain ethnicities, certain countries. 
it's across the board. And you're discounting all of their testimony on the basis of your prejudiced notion that miracles don't happen because they're never seen to be happen, and if anybody says they saw them happen, they're lying or mistaken because I don't see them happen. If all that we had, this is what I'm saying, if all that we had is their testimony, testimony of millions of people, that should be enough for us. Fortunately, sometimes we have more than just the testimony. We also have the documentation. Now, when it comes back to Mark chapter 2, so come full circle. When we come back to Mark chapter 2, obviously we don't have medical documentation of this man's healing. What do we have? We have the account in the Gospels. That's it. So what do we do with that? What do we do with this account of this healing in the Gospel of Mark? Well, Rudolf Hultman would say, well, we doubt it. Why do we doubt it? Because that came from a pre-scientific age. Really? People in that time didn't know that paralyzed guys stayed paralyzed? People in the first century didn't know that dead men stayed dead? Really? Do you remember Luke 24? And Luke 24, um, so this is the account of the resurrection in the Gospel of Luke. Um, and the women come back from the tomb. right? So some of the women go to the tomb and then they come back and they say to the disciples, He's not there! He's risen! And do you remember the response of the disciples? Yeah, it's a bunch of foolish lady talk. They don't believe them. Why don't they believe the women? Because dead men stay dead, and they know that. People in the first century know that. Remember how Joseph responds when Mary comes to him and says, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to have a baby, and it's God's baby. And how does Joseph respond? Oh, wonderful, let's have God's baby together. Joseph knows how babies are made, and he knows what this means. It means that Mary's been fooling around. And so he has in mind to divorce her quietly until God speaks to him as well. Again, my point is simply this. People in the first century were not stupid. They were not uncivilized. They knew how the natural order worked. They knew where babies came from and how babies were made. They knew that when you kill somebody, they stay dead. They knew that if a man is paralyzed, he's going to die paralyzed. Unless God intervenes and acts to heal. And that's why the miracle stories in the Gospels are so stupendous. Because here is an inbreaking of the work of God, not just in one or two or three instances, but throughout the life and ministry of Jesus. Time after time you hear it said that, and all the people brought their sick to Jesus and He healed them all. This is why it's so remarkable. This is why the, God, the, the, the Apostle John at the end of his Gospel says, I just told you a few things so that you might believe. If I told you everything, the world wouldn't be able to hold all the books. There's so much more to say, but I can't say it all. What do we do with the Gospels and the miracle? Sorry, the miracles in the Gospels? Ultimately, we're going to have to make a decision. Now, reason can lead us so far. It's very reasonable to believe that miracles happen today. It's very reasonable to say that, look, the objections against miracles don't hold any water. But that reasonableness is not going to get you to the right place in relationship to the gospel. Okay? Ultimately, one needs to place their trust and their faith in the one who works the miracles. In the one who heals the paralyzed man, but before he heals the paralyzed man, he says to him, Son, your sins are forgiven. And so the question becomes not just are you willing to follow the evidence where it leads and say, yes, Jesus healed people and God continues to work miracles today. The question becomes, are you willing to put your faith and your trust in the one who can not only heal the body, 
but can forgive sin and bring eternal life? That then becomes the question that we're left with. Let's pray together as we close. Father God, we are so thankful, Lord, for the gift of Your Word. Lord, we're so thankful for the gift of Your actions, Your your working, Your miracles in our lives, in our midst, in the lives of people around the world. God, I pray that You would continue to just open our eyes to what You are doing. And Lord, give us a boldness to pray for those who need Your healing, who need Your miraculous work in their lives. Lord, that we would pray boldly and that we would expect You to answer. And that, Lord, when You do answer, we would give You the praise and the glory. And that, Lord, when You choose in Your grace and in Your mercy not to answer the way that we pray, that we would accept Your verdict and that we would continue to worship and to glorify the God who gives and the God who takes away. Lord, help us not to approach Your Word with the skeptical, um, cynical heart. Lord, help us to, to approach it with a faith that seeks to understand and to know You more. We pray this all in the precious name of Christ our Savior. Amen.